Welcome to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. I'm your host Marvin Yue. Join, join, uh, joining me as always is Christine Miji Chang. How's it going? What's up? You can't get me away from my can. Can I start that over? <laughs> uh, no, we're we're just gonna go with it. <sighs> it's episode twenty. We made the I'm twenty weeks. Yeah, we're at 20. That's what I was going to do, but then I thought I was going to distract you, and then, and then I got confused, and I can't say my words anymore. It's okay. It's been a long, <laughs> long, long week, and it's only Wednesday. Wednesday. I know. Uh, this is what happens when you're in the middle of producing a giant show. Yeah. No sleep. Yeah. All emails. I've been staring at spreadsheets all week. Yeah, it's slowing down my computer right now. I think I have to start my computer a lot more because all of the... All the things that are open. But you have a Mac. I thought Macs could do everything. It's getting old. And maybe I didn't keep, you know, I didn't take care of it as much well as I should have. Mm. Womp, womp. Well. Don't blame the product. Blame the user. (laughs) It's true. I have a feeling all your computer problems are probably your fault. Yeah. They're not that bad. It's just kind of slow. I'd say for something that's like a 2010 MacBook Pro, that's pretty, it's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, five years is usually about the renewal life of a laptop computer these days. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about getting um a Samsung, uh, like a Chromebook or something. Wow, you're something. gonna betray your Apple overlords and go with the? I betrayed my Samsung overlords and returned to an your Korean overlords. Your Korean. I I've been using. I had the Galaxy. Everyone was freaking out because I got an iPhone. This January, I got literally, literally January 1st of this year, got an iPhone and everyone's like, who are you? <laughs> I actually went through a period of, I didn't know who the hell I was. Mm. What am I doing? What are these sounds? It's just us two again this week uh, because apparently everyone's, it's, it's wedding season. So everyone's like, it's wedding season, it's travel yeah. season. It's, it's almost summer. Vacay. Summer starts, uh, I think this weekend. Does it? Yeah. On, on Father's Day or like shortly or maybe Aww. on the 22nd you know what that means it's summer jam time summer, Minji summer, Chang, summer jam. what's your favorite summer jam what do you break out when the sun's out you're rolling down santa monica with your windows down and what do you want people to hear as you roll down the street this is important what's your summer like jam? my constant one or like my current one what well when summer's out what do you break out i don't know actually okay so there's one song that is so it's kind of no, it's not embarrassing. I'm not embarrassed. I will say it. One of the songs that always gets me in a good mood and I think kind of embodies a very summery spirit is Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Yeah, I know that song. Yes, you do, because you watch you watch Rush Hour, didn't you? you I remember, did, yeah. Remember the little girl sitting in the backseat of the car? I actually know the little girl who sat who played that little How girl. How do you know her? Uh she was in the same business fraternity as I was uh, when we were in college. What? She's he's, that old? Oh yeah, a, that movie is that old. She's my age. She's like eighty four. Yeah. Wow. Can can she come to collaboration? <laughs> I love her. She um uh, she no, she just graduated from Anderson, um, I think this past year with their MBA. So Good for um, you. What's her name? I'm not gonna say. Why? You can I'm D B it. <laughs> What's her name? Her name is Julia Sue. Um, Julia. We, uh, uh, I haven't talked to her in like maybe ten years, but I remember we used to we used to be at the same parties. Very <laughs> cool. Okay, well, Julia, you played a very important role in my life. Well, so this all started because you asked me what song. Fantasy, I think, is like a super fun. And you know what? I have several. This actually. Okay, now we're going on the tangent road already. <laughs> so Mariah Carey had some really great hits. I'm not a fan of Infinity. 
Okay, well, that's her just, latest song. I was just freaking out. You about were just that. giving me a giant rant yesterday about how much you like that song. Just like destroyed your day. It did. <laughs> it's really okay because I'm a huge. That was literally the first, literally the first album CD that I ever purchased in my life was Daydream by Mariah Carey. Her first, what three, four albums were incredible. There's so many hits, like you can sing all. And one of my birthday memories, one of my favorite birthday memories, was when I got a little bit inebriated. After going dancing for my birthday and two of my guy friends, maybe I should just call them out, Rob and David, um, they were driving me home. They were my DDs and I fell asleep in the backseat and I woke up and I was like coming out of my fogginess to wake up to them singing. Uh, was it fantasy? No, always be my baby. They were singing along with like every freaking word and every little trill, <laughs> every little uh, thing that Mariah Carey does. Mm hmm. So it's like Backstreet Boys and it's like all the closet pop stuff that everyone like, like, oh my God, they don't like outwardly say it, but everyone knows all the words. Mariah Carey's one of those people and I think everyone knows the words to fantasy. I, I would, I, don't except you, I but I think a lot of people do. Anyway, but Julia in Rush Hour, that was actually a really special moment because that's one of my favorite songs and it was a little Asian girl, <laughs> much like myself, sitting in the car, singing her little head off and I really like... Oh, this is funny. It's very symbolic because it was like one of those moments like, oh, my God, someone like me is on <laughs> it's in a major film. And she's singing where I carry. It was really special. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's the power of representation, right? The media. But I didn't even think about it. But like that moment was really great. And he stopped saying like, what's your song? What's your summer song? My summer jam is. Summer jam. Hmm. I actually haven't thought. Like, what do I break out? I should have a playlist, honestly. Yeah. No, there's multiple songs. I don't know yeah. why that song came to my head. There's lots <laughs> of songs. When I need a good, like, kind of cruising down the street song, I usually just break out, like, my something corporate or Jack's Mannequin. Ooh. It's very California, very, like... Actually, also, that first Third Eye Blind album comes out a lot. When I, I don't know. Drive. Maybe if I heard the songs, I'd probably know them, but I don't know them by Semi Chan Kind of Live. Oh, yeah. Jumper. Yeah. Um, London, yeah, yeah. Burning Man. I know Seven Chunk Kind of Life. That's a fun song. Yeah. I also like, well, someone asked me what would be my song if I ever was on like Letterman or something. Like, what's your walkout song? Mm hmm. And this is funny that we're talking about this today because yesterday was Tupac Tuesday, mm. Tupac's birthday. And uh, California Love is my song. I, I was just, I don't know why that oh, one yeah? was like my California Love. You walk out with a strut. Like, you just come out with like a little like. Yep. Gangsta pimp walk. In like. my heels and then risk falling flat on my face, which might happen. <laughs> but that'd be really fun. And that was like the song that everybody was playing because the Warriors won the NBA Finals. Congratulations. Thank you. Go Lakers. Anyways. Ew. <laughs> Ew. The, uh, it's funny because I, I do have a lot of friends who um, from college and from you know throughout life that have been Warriors fans a long time. And like, you know. Say what you will about San Francisco fans. Like, you know, they can be jerks, but they also are very, very, very loyal. Yes. And We've Warriors fans especially are very, very um, long-suffering, I think is the word for yes. it. Yes. It's like San Diego teams. Like, San Diego teams are like, we're usually pretty good, but we never <laughs> make it very far. Go very far, yeah. And the same with, like, the Warriors. Like, I think the, the furthest the Warriors have gone in the last couple of years is, like... They haven't been in the finals in like forever. It's been, right? a, I think yeah. it's been over 20 years. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. So yeah, it's just constant heartbreak. I'm not, I, I, I full disclosure, I'm not a huge diehard sports follower. 
I've, oh really? Yeah, really. I'm being I'm being honest. So that big show over there, back singing the Warriors, is just. That's not a show. Why, why do you have to follow every stat to be a fan of your your hometown team? That's ridiculous. I hate people. It's I get it because it'd be kind of like, oh, I'm a huge fan of Meryl Streep. We can't even name a movie of hers. I get that. But like, if you're just saying like, I'm a fan of Meryl Streep. She's a great actress. I'm not gonna hate. I'll agree with you. I'm like, she is. Thank you for acknowledging that. Fist bump. Bye. Like, why? Okay, I don't know. Just because I'm not as diehard and know every freaking, you know, person on the team and every point they ever scored and whatever. I don't think it's that. I think it's No, people get really haterific about that kind of stuff. Like, you don't even know. You didn't (laughs) care. You didn't go to all the games. Like, I don't know if it's going to all the games. It's like, no. I think it's more, did you follow them throughout the season? I guess that's kind of where um i know a lot of sports especially like in la like it's always like it's always a big issue Mm -hmm. because of the fact that la is a transient city yeah a lot of people here are fans of different teams but because they have the dodgers and a lot of people here are also super scenesters and really it's why we have a bad rap of being a bandwagon city Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people who the whole point of being a scenester is to be seen and you, you get seen when you're in places where people watch, mm-hmm. right? So you get a lot more people. That's why, you know, what's the, what's the hottest nightclub? What's the hottest? You know, where are the Kardashians hanging out? Who's the hot team right now? You know? But I feel like that. that's what's changing now in this particular generation that we're in because there are so many different definitions of cool and everyone's trying to get – but, like, you have, like, the Jersey Shore-type crowd – you have the Kardashian type crowd, which is there's a distinction. You have the whole hipster crowd, like that will never ever leave Silver Lake and Echo Park. You have oh, they'll leave once it becomes super gentrified, and once it becomes San Francisco, they'll find another yeah place. But you know what I mean? You know? there's there's different co- high school never ends. Essentially, is what it is. Yeah, the end. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, from what I know. All the different conflicting teams, not conflicting teams, but like there are multiple teams in the Los Angeles area. There's the Lakers and the Clippers and the Angels and the Dodgers and ball. Same thing in the Bay, like the A's and the Giants and, and the Warriors. Well, the Warriors, we don't have anything. Well, well there's also, Kings, well, I mean, the A's. It's the, Niners and it's Raiders. It's interesting to talk about Angels. This is like the collaboration sports minute. But you know, the Angels have always that been an Orange but... County mm-hmm. team. Yeah. So a lot, it's like the fact LA that LA has like two teams. It's kind of like the same with like, I don't know, it's a little different because like, I know Giants fans who also support the A's. Like me, because... Um, <laughs> but in, I'm like Bay in LA, it kind of feels like you're one or the other. Yeah. Right? No, well, people in the Bay are very, like, you're a Giants fan, like, F off. You, well, because you have, you have like the, A's. the SF and you have the East Bay. Yeah. Right? That yeah. whole thing. I get it. So... And honestly, like, they, they give all Bay Area sports fans such a bad rep. From what I understand growing up in the Bay Area my whole life, that primarily Raiders fans are what made like news headlines with ratchetness. But again, I don't know. That's just my understanding. I don't think everyone's like a ridiculously crazy, violent person. I had a fight with Slim yesterday because it's like, wow. Our now, friend Slim. Now, yeah. now San Francisco's going to go right and blah, blah. I got hella mad. And I was like, what are you <laughs> saying? Like, I was there when we won both World Series. Once, the first time I was in Oakland, well, the last few years, but when the first time I was in Oakland and nothing happened, I drove over to San Francisco to go like run around Civic Center and like go all crazy. Second time we won the World Series, I was in, um, I was in San Francisco 
And again, like we were all like banging drums and whatever. We weren't lighting cars on fire, which apparently happened. And I. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, Rioting's kind of it's it's an interesting phenomenon because it happens it's, everywhere. Also, it's like the one time people destroy things, and now in like the new social media generation, yeah, take pictures of themselves, yeah, destroying stuff, which is like, look at me, yeah, I'm ridiculous, don't mess, I don't know, whatever. I'm from a fire, and then like, you no, know, next day it's like police department, like if you know this person, like, but I'm saying like that's like a small, very very small group of people. And you know what I mean? Like when they're rioting protests, like the other times that I knew that there were actual riots and protests going on was when Oscar Grant was shot. That and vast majority of that, again, we were, we, then this discussion turned into bigger media, media inflation uh, discussion. But well, I mean, in this news, how news works in this day and age with 24 hour news. News. Like, we'll use that word loosely. It works. Air quoting. Like it. you have to have programming to fill the time. And then every day, like, you know, they talk about news cycles, right? The current news cycle is all about what's her face. Rachel Dole is all on like Ugh, her, um, her ridiculousness, her like blackface issues. I guess that's the best I can talk about. I think that woman has like some, like clearly she has some serious issues. She is a pathological liar. It seems that way. Yeah. And, but like her situation is giving way to a lot of, um, this is our segue into our, our, our topic here. One, yeah. One of the things, um, that's it for the sports minute. But her, Go Warriors. Um, yeah. Congratulations, Warriors. Good for you. Go Steph Curry. Now I hope all my Warriors fans will stop being so sad about everything. You guys won. <laughs> we're happy. Up. We're happy. See, now it's going to be like the Giants thing where it's like one win's not enough. You have to keep winning. All I do is win, win, I have a win friend, no matter what. Not a friend. I know someone. Again, someone I know from my business fraternity who works for the Giants front office. Mm-hmm. And she has three rings. Because what? everyone in the organization gets a ring. Yeah. Yeah crazy three i can't believe yeah third one was when i was in when i was in here we watched <laughs> it together here. yeah yeah i i can't english today i was trying to find <laughs> the right way when i was in here over here it's okay over here it's in okay. north hollywood for some it's for those of you who don't know it's getting pretty hot here in um in the yeah, valley it's, let's blame in los heat. angeles i'm discombobulated minji is so cheap she won't turn on the air conditioning that is a lie okay the truth is if we turn on air conditioning you'll hear fans sound the entire podcast so we don't want that so for quality for the quality of our podcast for our audio recording yes because we prioritize the making, quality of our, our, our sacrifices here, here above our physical and mental well-being and minji we're, can't talk english i can't english um what are we talking about all right rachel dolezal so that sad woman you guys are it's it's kind of interesting how like every like this whole month has been kind of just yeah what race is it? issues and like, what is this <laughs> i'm i you know we i don't want to talk about it all the time i don't want it to be an issue all the time but apparently they're just giving us new stuff um and this is it doesn't well but it's a good it has to do with racial identity and stuff so that's why we're talking about it but so the president of the spokane washington um, chapter of the NWACP, yeah. Rachel Lozal, was outed as white by her parents. And then now she stepped down, whatever. And there's this big kind of national fascination with this whole story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's taking over all the news cycles, even more so like kind of drowning out all like the police brutality stuff that's been happening too. Like yep. people stop talking about that stuff. But this issue uh, specifically is basically like here's a woman who like dressed up as a black person 
became the very much prominent like, yeah, figure, the president, African American like activist for yeah. ten years, doing probably some good stuff. Yeah, like you know? props to her for the work that she did. But it's just it's a bizarre thing to wrap your yeah. head around, and the the way that she is is verbalizing it. You know, I identify as black. Yeah. So that's the thing that um, is interesting for us. So, especially following the you know the debut of Caitlyn Jenner and the whole transgender thing being, being more like celebrated, in, yeah, celebrated. Like you have a lot of people like defending Rachel because like, well, what about transracial? Like she's saying she's transracial, which is um, apparently a term that adoptees have right, used right, for right. years. But it's been a term, and now everyone's like, well, transracial, transracial is not a thing. So like that's what sucks because I feel like it's taking something that is real and that's yeah you know very it has deep roots and a lot of meaning and substance and and history and they're now it's becoming this especially, hashtag yeah. for her <laughs> and especially like racial identity like growing up in a different culture as your own is something that Asian Americans especially like kind of grew up with too mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, some more than others like some the you know Asian Americans that grew up in like say Indiana or like the Midwest right. Mm-hmm. Where they were the only Asians around. Right. You know, comparing, I guess, identifying with another culture or race. It's not even race. It's culture, right? It's a mix of both, though, yeah. because I feel like the race impacts the culture that you grow up in. It's like the, the, I read a really wonderful blog um, written by a black woman who was adopted by white parents. And she is saying, like, no matter what her parents did to impact her upbringing in terms of education the the fishing trips and all she refers to like very specific things of the whiteness of her upbringing and she appreciates everything that her parents did for her but it still didn't change the fact that she's black it didn't change the fact that she was treated differently by this white community that she grew up in Mm -hmm. you know and i feel like your race you know those identifiable characteristics that we cannot change from where we're born, like you're born Asian, but you, yeah, again, you're adopted by any other race. Like you're still, so you walk into a store without your parents, right? Your adoptive parents, <laughs> you're still, even if you did, you're still, there's a, there's an assumption and a stereotype or like a, a pre, you know, preconceived notion of who and what you are. Yeah. That's how race impacts your culture and that's how race impacts your day to day life. And I think that it's really, again, I try to look at it as positive. I didn't, I, I pulled another one of like, oh, God, I don't want to read this because I'm like, I don't my brain is going to explode. I'm planning a show. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things going on. I'm not getting that much sleep. I don't know if I can handle this. Another one. Right. Yeah. But, pro, you know, I don't know this. This to me, <laughs> this woman just seems like there's something <laughs> like off. There's something really wrong. And she, now she's talking about like, you can't prove that my white parents birthed me and <laughs> problems. OK, but like, yeah. You can't just pick up a race and put it on. It's the whole appropriation thing. You can't, in my opinion, in my yeah. opinion. And I don't I'm, think it's that simple and then you can just transracialize yourself. It's a difference. So, like, two white people can't birth out, like, someone who's ethnically not white, right? It's called like, genetics. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can identify with another culture. I mean, we've seen all the time. Like, you know, there's you know, tons of non-Asians who are super into K-pop and, like, super into, like, the whole, like, Japanese Asian culture pop culture, Japanese culture, yeah, things a, like that. You know, there's a lot of, arts, you know, like, yeah. M&M's super into, you know, hip-hop culture. But and M&M's like still that. not black. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be, like, if you identify with that culture, it doesn't mean to be a part of that you have to look like everyone, right? I just, but I, the bigger thing that, I mean, okay, the whole... 
the whole layered conversation, this complex conversation of can you identify as another race thing? She lied. I can't. That's the basic. <laughs> yeah. Like you're a liar and you have issues. Like you're a pathological liar, and you. And it's not even like oh, I volunteered. It's like no, you're president of this chapter. You pro- you you. I'm guessing like, that that's a paid position. I mean, well, she has like a black friend pose as her dad because she wants. That's just yeah. twisted. I mean, okay, you know, like take all the race up. It's just weird. <laughs> like you're a liar. You have yeah. problems. Like that's like that's like me pretending to be Asian <laughs> to run collaboration. That's so weird. Wait, okay, you guys haven't seen Minji yet, but she's totally white. I'm totally. I got freckles. Oh my god, I'm outed. <laughs> I don't like that's so weird. Like, what possesses a person to do that? And this is the whole. And so I got to watch some really wonderful John Stewart clips today. Mm-hmm. Bless his heart for being able to kind of make something like. He uses the humor. Inherently, this is kind of a humorous situation. It is. is is They make movies out of like this. Like someone tells a white lie or like pretends to be someone else and then gets like goes too far. Right. We went too far. Isn't like. It's like white chicks. Isn't this like reverse reverse white chicks, right? Yeah. It's reverse (laughs) white chicks. Now I'm thinking of Vicky Azalea. Um, You mean Vanessa Carlton? Yeah, Vanessa Carlton. But. Thousand Miles. Which. uh, No, I'm just thinking of Iggy uh, Azalea because I thought Iggy Azalea looked like. The Wayne's brothers dress up as white chicks. That's, really? To me, what she looked like. But anyway, that's I'm not turning in this trash talk about Iggy Zalea. She's a liar. That's <laughs> like that's the bigger meta. Like no, it's as I think as it should be as large of a discussion. And everyone's like applauding her. No. There, there are not everyone. That is that is. I'm not gonna go that route and say everyone's doing this. There are a lot of people. Seems like a lot of people are kind of trashing cool. her too. Yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. out there calling her out and saying it. It is what it is. But there's a lot of people defending her and applauding her and saying that she's done all this great work for the NAACP. And like again, that might be empirically true. She did. She put in the years. She did a lot of work. Yeah. But when you look uh, on principle, like you step away and you're lying and. I, well, there's a so in her one of her interviews that she gave on TV, someone asked her like, you know, do you think you would have been able to make as much good work as a white ally to the NAACP? And she says, well, I don't know. I haven't walked those shoes before, so I don't know. I have no answer. Yeah. And it's like in that John Stewart segment, like they had, what's her name? I forget her name. The uh, their new uh, female black correspondent. Yeah, I want her. Um, <laughs> I her name, but she's awesome. Um, I watched the clip. Yeah, she was saying was that you know. Like, we need allies, not replacements. Right. Right. Like, and that goes back to, like, what I was saying before. Like, you don't have to look like everyone in that subculture to, like, support what they want or, like, to be, like, you know, a part of it. Right. Right. I don't know. This is, it's funny to me because I've had this conversation with a lot of non Asian friends of mine when I talk about what I do with collaboration. Yeah. Well, we, we have non Asian supporters of collaboration. Yeah. We have tons. We have staff members, people who, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I understand. And it's, I'm glad that it's a conversation and that they ask questions because, again, there's, I don't want to leave anything to assumption. And everyone's just like, oh, well, I'm not Asian, so I'm not invited to collaboration. Like, no way. Not at all. The point of collaboration is to elevate Asian American artists and whoever, whomsoever wants to come and support them, they are all invited. Yeah. It happens to be we market primarily, predominantly to the Asian community because what we're trying to do with having Asian American artists is to kind of bring people who look like us as these inspirational people from our communities to say living proof, to come support your friends and to see living proof of like, yeah, these people who look and live a life much like yours and to some degree are out there doing something that is not 
typically found, right? And that's how it has been for the last 16 years. That doesn't mean that if you're not Asian, you are not allowed to come in at the door, but I get, you know, yeah. that's part of the, that's the whole like conflict is like, well, I don't, I'm not part of the Asian culture, but I'm really into the artists and I want to come to the show. Am I not supposed to be there? And maybe that's the next level. And we've always discussed this too. Is that the next part of the conversation, yeah. which I think it is. Well, I mean, pop culture is probably our easiest touch point with the mainstream to invite them in take a look at the world through our, our eyes pretty much our perspective and kind of at the same time like you know like you said you know invite them with the dessert which is entertainment you know and then feed them their vegetables right, right. like the um the more you know activist parts of our organization the more you know the more educational parts where you know it's like like you and don't have to be like black to enjoy selma right yeah. or you oh my know God, that or was like other movies. you know movies like you just saw dope I loved right? it. I loved it. I don't really know what it's about, but everyone's saying it's really, really good. It's, it's really like, good. Know, yeah. It's, it's really well done. It's not what people expect, and you know, it's going to blow people's minds. And I hope everyone goes and watches it, because that's what I'm saying, too. And like this is what I say about black culture, too. And I, I've learned a lot by being blessed to grow up and go to school in a really diverse part of the world. Mm-hmm. Truly. Like there aren't that many places like the Bay Area where I grew up where I was surrounded by so many different cultures and it was really okay for everybody to like at least more okay than other places to be very open about all that, right? Yeah. And I had black friends, I had Latino friends, I had Muslim friends, I had Asian friends, white friends, whatever, growing up. And I personally growing up identified a lot with the black culture. Just family dynamics um, with the church culture, like the heavily religious culture that kind of, even with all the crazy crap that goes on, like you still have to go to church and you still have to like praise Jesus and all that stuff. I thought like, again, that's what I thought was awesome. So I loved watching a lot of African-American, predominantly African-American movies and shows and like I... I didn't need to be black to appreciate that. And I didn't need to be black to like feel what they were trying to say about family. Come on, like Family Matters and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I watched Martin. I watched In Living Color. I watched uh, Living Single. I watched, you know, like all these really great shows. Mm -hmm. Cosby Show. Well, people have their commentary about Cosby Show. I only watched Cosby Show as much. Yeah. Well, people like Uncle Tom. We watched, yeah, Fresh Prince and In Living Single was were the two shows that I watched. It's entertainment. And it's kind of like you get to see into this, like how you know not all but some black families are and you get to like understand it and relate that was awesome yeah. and that's why i think it's awesome that there's like fresh fresh off the boat and now there's gonna be dr ken because i think what again asian americans we do go through a very particular experience but it's not unrelatable yeah. it's very relatable <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah and funny and i was like yeah anyway yeah i mean reading more and more about her comments and her reaction to things it sounds less like yes, she did take advantage. Yes, she did like use like she like she played a character to get benefits, right? To like become prominent in her in her adopted community. Let's say you know she used an adopted like a fake past to like give That's speeches just, and again, things like that. Just, so there's weird. you can say that she you know took advantage, but at the same time, hearing what she says, you're right. She does sound a little like disturbed. Yeah. It's... That's why I'm not even like mad. I, I don't think she did any of this like viciously, and I don't think she did it with any sort of like 
real agenda. It's okay. Or maybe she's just that good at like manipulating. Maybe. Maybe she's a complete sociopath. I don't know. But what her, what she did, her actions are bringing to light this whole issue of white privilege in a very, very, very real way. Mm -hmm. I still, at the end of the day, it comes back to her. I'm like, that woman's just, she needs a hug and like some counseling and. You know what I mean? I don't think she she did this in order. She, I'm sure she cares deeply about it. To but imagine like think about the such upkeep, extremes. The upkeep she had to do for that's spend ten she just years. Head, you know, man. Is that like that's like that's not a spray tan, right? That's like laying on the sun, like baking yourself, right, or something. Like. I don't know. I don't know how. What, I don't know how she went about that. I yeah. did not go into that detail, but the hair and the like. Yeah. But again, looks have something to do with it. Yeah, we can go down that thing of like, hey, why is everyone talking about how she looks? That I think is more applicable to the Caitlyn Jenner thing. Mm. Um, but looks matter because race is manifested in your appearance and your skin tone and your hair and your eye shape, your eye color and your height or whatever you know. And people of different races experience different things, and yeah. I'm just. It's just a really weird story. Then I you know that they're going to try to make a reality show out of this. Somebody <laughs> put on Twitter like they're like if they make a reality show out of her. Well, I mean, I'm literally been... going to set my TV <laughs> on fire in my front yard in principle out of principle. Like how cool. how long can you like last as a different race like I don't even know. Yeah, who like, knows what they're like some secret camera show or something. Because it's a hot topic right now. Yeah. I'm just imagining them finding some like David Carradine looking white dude and Emma stoning him into like I don't know Chinese League of something probably didn't they do that well, he was the well he was the guy who played so the history of David David Carradine is he played like a half Chinese monk dude in Kung Fu like the old I think it was 80s or 70s series wasn't it 80s or 90s I thought it was 80s 90s they had a re like no they had like a continuation in the 90s where like okay features his, his son but like he played this half Chinese dude because he kind of looked Asian, but he was full white. And the reason they cast like him, Joseph the reason they casted him was because they didn't think Bruce Lee would would have been able to handle the role. That's lovely. It was originally supposed to be Bruce Lee. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, we can't we can't handle these complex <laughs> roles. They're totally right. But okay, I'm just wondering. So like. You know, thinking about how this has become the forefront of the media now. Yeah. And how we just have now moved on from Emma Stone and The Martian. Oh, it'll probably come back. I know it'll come Mm -hmm. back, but I'm wondering, again, what is the long-term impact of these stories and all this? All of Well, okay, there was an article that came out about the reaction. Like, so... Because Aloha tanked, apparently Hollywood is on notice now that people care about whitewashing. No. But I don't think that's precisely like it's a Hollywood Reporter article, but yeah. I don't know if that's exactly accurate because I think Aloha wasn't they didn't expect it to be hit a hit anyways. You know And I think like I don't know, I really kinda of doubt that Aloha was such a yeah. bad movie because of that race thing. like if the race thing tanks the martian then hollywood would be on on notice because that thing is like that's i saw the trailer it looks freaking amazing so like people are gonna watch gonna watch people it are gonna people watch the martian care. i don't but, i don't feel i don't th- i personally just assumption wise i don't know how have any facts to back this up but i'm guessing that the race thing was just uh the cherry on top of everything yeah. but it was already a bad movie 
But that article also featured, um, I guess, commentary from uh, was it NBC? Which was the network did the Peter Pan thing? Oh, that they—it's Rooney Mara. Yeah, that they cast her as Tiger, Tiger Lily. Lily. Yeah, that's nice. And then there's—I I, think—it's uh, been like a couple of days since I read it, and since my brain is dead, um, I can't remember. But they said something like, "Well, the book never specifically said that she was actually Native American, and if like we couldn't wait for like the right actress to come along, so you know we went with what would make sense or something." I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically their their rationale, you know. Okay. I mean, it's it's the same story. Yeah. You know, I I'm think it's too not tired to fight back. You guys are dumb. <laughs> I don't think it's going to take like movies tanking or whatever, because those are like, especially those big blockbusters are tailor made to get the mainstream to go. And we're kind of like, we're on the tail end, the people that care about that stuff. Yeah. Right? Unless it's something like, um, if they casted Minho from the Maze Runner as like some white dude, then you might have some like big fan backlash. But no, they did, you know, they got Ki Hong, so that's good. But, I think would they've gotten a big backlash if they had hired a white guy for Minnow? I think so. I want to say that book has a pretty like pretty big following. Yeah, and the move the theaters were counting on that following the Western movie, and if Minho, who in the book is Korean American, um, see was the not fact right. that I'm skeptical that there's a shred of doubt that like I'm not sure if they would have cared that much. Maybe. Well, I think it's not going to be that backlash that changes Hollywood. It's going to be the success of Fresh Off the Boat, Dr. Ken, like those shows showing that people are okay with watching Asians on screen. It's not going to drive people away. People are going to like... And blacks you know? and Muslims and Indian yeah. and all the different people that are on this earth. Yeah, but specifically like the Asian Americans on screen thing, like it's going to take, honestly, like proving the market to make it into a business thing again. Like they need, like basically... I, I think that was what the article was talking about. Like, based on previous, like, past performance, mm-hmm. like, Asian, they don't have data Asians. They have data on white people, actors, whatever. They have data, they put this actor and this actor together, or these, like, things together, they'll get this performance. But they don't have data on Asians. And until that data is there, like, big Hollywood, mainstream Hollywood, is not going to take the risk or not going to want to take the risk unless they have, like, a crazy director that they, like, give autonomous thing to. Right. Right. If like Chris Nolan, like um, Warner Bros. will let Chris Nolan do anything he wants as long as he makes a Batman once in a while or, or a Superman or whatever. Right. Um, who else can do that? Spielberg, say, or whatever, like Michael Bay, maybe, but he's kind of known for being misogynistic and racist, too, in his movies. Is he? I just know he's Explosion Man. That's all I he's know. He's also super like he treats his women, female characters as like objects. He did Transformers, right? Mm-hmm. Megan Fox. Yeah. God. <laughs> um, it's gonna take you know, it's like gonna it's a, it's a catch twenty two, right? You know, you need successful Asian or non-white actors to prove that they can make a big box office flash. Case in point, Will Smith, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if it's still the case because I think he's had he's had a couple kind of rough movies, but for the first like say decade of his film career, he's never opened less than number one. Right. Right. Like, if you have that kind of track record, then, yeah, they'll, like, you're going to be who they want. But, like... But then know. even within the black community... And this is funny because Will Smith comes up in the movie Dope. Like, because <laughs> these kids... It's current It's current 2015. Mm-hmm. It's set in... They really kept it, like, current because they knew when there was going to be released. It's in the movie. It's June 2015. <laughs> um, but within the black community, 
do black people look at Will Smith as one of their own, if you will, like mm. for lack of better terms, right? And they, they, there's a joke in it, like Will Smith's not black, like. <laughs> well, whether or not they do, yeah, Hollywood sees him as a as a profitable actor. It's just with so sad. a good track record. Like right? everyone looks at Hollywood, and it, Hollywood is a term, right? It, it 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 is a descriptive because everyone uses it as something that is inauthentic, inaccurate, overly hyped. And just yeah, and most of, movies aren't even made in Hollywood. Right, they're made the in Culver City. They're made in Burbank. They're made in Century City. But st- like. okay, but like the, the <laughs> industry of Hollywood, right? But like, but everyone's still vying for it because it is so influential, yeah. right? That's like the 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 sucky part is that we're all kind of trying to fight to make our way to affect something that we hate. But I guess that's still it's noble cause to say like we need for me yes in a pie in the sky Minji's ideal world I want Hollywood to be less of a crappy term I don't want it to mean equate with you know I don't know who's listening to this too I'm like I really could be digging myself a bad hole but Hollywood needs some more wins right now is what I'm saying mm-hmm. and I think that it's possible that's why it's I think that's where the anger comes from it's like you have the power to make all these good decisions yeah. you have the money you have the people like backing you you have people ready to support and you mess it up but you also have shareholders yeah who want you to make money for them and that's the thing with like the whole corporate structure these days i'm uh, starting from when like limited liability corporations first started it's just your fiduciary duty is to your shareholders if you're a public company if you're a private company you can do whatever the hell you want but if you're a public company Every action you do is supposed to be to maximize shareholder value. And that means if you decide to go, if you have two decisions, one is more socially beneficial but less profitable, and one is just more profitable, and you choose the first choice, basically you can get fired for that. Right. You know, depending on how you did not uphold your duty to to make make profit for your shareholders. Unless, you know, you have a board that wants to, like, you know, that's why you say have like triple bottom lines, right? With like B cores and things like that, where. Part of the corporate charter, part of the mission is to create, to maximize public good as well, like social utility. Then you might be able to get away with that, but that's not how Hollywood is right now. Right. You know? But that's, I feel like this yeah. is what the, this, we're in the middle of this dialogue or discourse or whatever yeah. you want to call it to make what is profitable also be for the social benefit. Like, yeah. wh- why do those have to be? Well, now we have, you know, we have smaller studios. We have, you know, more independent studios. No, now we have new stuff. media. New media, so yeah. So that is disrupting because... everything because <laughs> the democratization with yeah. just views. But that's the other thing. Well, like, and I'm, I'm curious to see how all the YouTube stuff affects mainstream yeah. because... Oh, they're talking. They've been talking about since I was, like, I worked at Sony, like, um, 10 years ago now, probably. And, like, basically, they were trying to figure out how to figure out digital back then when YouTube right. was first starting because right. they like they have people who can see like okay this is going to be trouble down the line you know have and have they figured it out I don't think so well yeah. that's the thing like cuz they still look at <laughs> they still look at YouTube as like oh that's cute they're making little videos at home and <laughs> no they're they're looking at the market share losing and like kind of freaking out Netflix they is better freaking be them freaking out, out. and mm-hmm. like it's interesting because like like we said before these studios they're owned by they're they're not like their parent companies aren't in the business of making movies. They're in the business of making money. Right. Like Columbia Pictures, owned by Sony. Fox. Well, Fox is a media company. So they're in um, NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. Comcast, Comcast. You know, I don't know if they're still owned by GE. I think GE divested them. But, you know, for a long time, they were part of GE, which is like a multinational conglomerate. You right. know? Like. 
business people. The money comes from shares, shareholders, like their businesses' value, and because of that, they're like they have to. That's why. That's why they're not willing to take risks. You know, it's it's a super sucky situation for creativity. But luckily for us, like there's a lot more places where you can be creative now, and like, you know, if your goal isn't to make billions of dollars, there's places for you to like be creative and make a decent living. Or people you know? that and maybe I'm being too idealistic, but I know that there are people out there who will go do make their millions. And then do whatever the heck they want on the side, i.e. my wishful thinking husband, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm-hmm. He does hit record. He's been doing that for years. Yeah. And he's still very, very successful mainstream. But he makes all sorts of kooky, weird art with all these different yeah. collaborators. Well, I mean, his resurgence was through independent film. Like, right. He was, you know, he was a big movie star as a kid. And then, you know, kind of kind of did his own thing. He, he didn't. There was adolescent he, angst. He didn't follow his, you know, the Looks typical. so not mainstream, <laughs> okay? I'm not, don't, I'm not one of your minions. But you know. But this long hair. I mean, <laughs> you see so many cow actors just like get effed up through their adolescent years, right? Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears, like. Amanda Bynes. Um, and it's, females, you know, poor things. Maybe it was a good thing that he kind of disappeared for a while, got away with it. No, I think, and yeah. I, that it's funny because I spoke about this with different actor friends. You know, we are all, the dream is to become working actors where you can be paid to act and do what you love to make a living out of it and not have to do other things. But then, you know, you look at certain actors who are like not around anymore that are very talented and had, they had their foot in the, they were in the door, they're in the room, you know, they were doing their thing and then they suddenly took their leave and they're no longer in the movie industry. I found it very ironic. It was just very eye opening. They're like, why does everyone say, Oh, whatever happened to blah, blah, blah. That's so sad. How do you know that they did not choose to leave? How do you like if anybody were in that kind of madness of Hollywood, I wouldn't blame them for one second if they like had their <laughs> fill and they're like, okay, I'm going to move on to other things now. Well, if, it, if they Everyone's didn't, free to do that. if they didn't want to leave, then they would be at like celebrity apprentice or like some like, now on the e, cover of Us Weekly. E or like Bravo show, you know. Can I be on The Bachelor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love your ratings, I swear. Yeah, I mean, even in business, you know, you have Tony Shea, who's the CEO of Apple, who like made his millions in like the first dot-com boom. And now like is really like kind of testing out new management techniques in his like big company that works for Amazon because he, you know, he doesn't, he, he's set. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's a crazy business. The more I learn about it, I still I'm still fascinated by it, and I still believe. At the end of the day, I believe that there's a lot of people out there who really do want to make good art, mm-hmm. and it's a struggle because there's been this big machine of 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 corporations and money and whatever, kind of dictating the way that that plays out. But I think that we're in a really exciting time right now. For me, it's just I'm so curious to see how everything's gonna go, because. Like we're in the middle of that shift yeah. where people can make things on their iPhones. There, there are movies that are being submitted to film festivals, to Sundance, to Cannes, like that were made on iPhones. You, it, it, Again, 
that is going to create a whole new way. It is creating a whole new wave of art and storytelling that is really different. And to see how that's going to play out. Because here's the thing. I'm seeing all these like direct-to-DVD or like there's movies in theaters that I just had never heard of. Maybe they just didn't have any marketing budget or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they have some big names in them, right? You go up to Redbox and you're like... People are always acting. Like They're always acting, Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, wow, these are like... This is quite a cast. Never heard of this movie. And it's just straight up, you know, new on Redbox. Like, blah, blah, blah. Usually, they're not great, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. See, that's another manifestation of this this Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. Where, like, Hollywood is really... There's some gems out there. Apparently, there's a lot that are... Several that are in the theaters now, which I can't wait to watch. But, you know, in general, they're really... I mean, they, they got to get on that. Yeah. I don't know how. Well, I mean, it's you also see a lot industry. more film actors going to TV now. Yeah. Because TV, well, TV production's, like, series. gone up, you know? Yeah, I would, yeah. I would love to be on a great series Yeah, for years. That'd be awesome. I mean, a one-time movie, you know, in, like, Fiji or whatever, that'd be great, too. But, <laughs> yes, if I could be on Parks and Rec spinoff, I would love that. You keep saying that. I don't think they're making one. They gotta. Their creators moved on. You should watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's his new show. I will, but also, Leslie Nope can't disappear. She's, you know, they've already, they finished that story. It's, it's over. No. You have to move on. No. There's a lot more TV out there. No. Go watch um, Mindy Project. Oh, yeah. What, is that on Hulu now? The new season's going to be on Hulu, but okay. the rest of it's all on. I think it's Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's on, everywhere. It's on Netflix. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, it's still a work in progress. I think it's always a work you know, in progress. People know that, like, people are starting to care more and more about just. I think the whole backlash with The Martian and with Aloha is more on accuracy. Yeah. Right. Because like, it's truth. Because accuracy, like what I was saying last time, I think the accuracy and taking the time to find the right character, the right person to play that character for that story mm-hmm. tells your story. Yeah. So I, I, at the end of the day, as much as all of this, it's, it's frustrating. It's, um, it's just mind boggling that all these things are still such a, that it's such a discussion right now. But at the end of the day, the fact that it's happening is a step in the right direction. I think the the fact that that backlash is very obvious now that it's not some like super small minor group, and that's why going back to the John Stewart video of what she was saying about we need allies, it's not saying that it's all upon it's all you know resting on the shoulders of you and me with collaboration and Tuesday Night Cafe and I say or like we got it. No, it's up to everybody else who is supportive of diversity and accuracy and and grid storytelling. Yeah. To raise a stink about it. And and I think going it. forward, especially with, you know, with like even minorities becoming the majority of America, you're going to see a lot more of our stories wanting to be told, you know, like it's a whole new generation of immigrant stories. And that's like what Hollywood loves, like the struggle of like chasing the American dream. That's like the classic, you know, narrative. It's great right? new content. <laughs> it's great new content. I'm thinking about everything from like a YouTube standpoint. But you like you want new content? There it is. Yeah, there it is, and that is the American story. That's what it's just like baffles me. <laughs> they, if everyone thinks of the American story, they go straight back to like 
farmlands or to the Civil War or something like that, which it is. Mm -hmm. But the American story is very much also coming from a distant country yeah. <laughs> and not I knowing mean, the language and a big how to thing in immigrant stories is like the like people are obsessed with like the mafia, organized crime, right? And like go to any immigrant community, any like minority community, you're gonna see like an underworld, you know? I saw some restaurant in I think Silver Lake is called Yakuza something. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> it scared me. It's like, I'm not eating there. There's swords in the food. It's probably run by like white people. Yeah, probably. I don't know. But speaking of which, now that we're talking about the immigrant thing, I want to take a moment to thank BuzzFeed Yellow for putting out a really beautiful video. Why are you stepping over my segue? I had a I'm not beautiful one prepared for that. What is your segue? Now, I apologize. I, I forgot. Now I'm just... Well, then... Speaking of immigrant stories... <laughs> BuzzFeed <laughs> just released a video. Boom. Who got to it first? <laughs> Step up your game. Who's the host here? Hey, I'm co-hosting. <laughs> yeah, they had a they had a pretty cool video that they released about, you know, um was it Asians or just immigrants? Immigrant, yeah. immigrant parents. Talking about immigrant parents and you know something that we've touched upon on this on this show as well. Um, like the sacrifices our parents made coming here. You know, I talked about my dad coming and looking for work. Um, and then you talked about, you know, your dad saying that he didn't plan for you. <laughs> None <laughs> of us are planned. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really touching. I feel like, and it's different for our gen. It's, it's special for our generation now because we're in that age where we can actually understand it and appreciate it and how unique it was because I, Again, with this particular narrative that's happening right now and this acknowledgement of that struggle, hopefully, I'm hoping that that struggle is not the same from here on out. Yeah. Because there are children who are maybe the children, they're young children of immigrant parents now, but they also have access to BuzzFeed. And they, you know what I mean? It, it, would, it would kind of open their mind to understand and be more appreciative of that. You'd think that, but looking back when I was like an adolescent, we were like teens, like that stuff really didn't matter as much as like you're not letting me do what I want to do. Oh, that's right? always, that's the universal <laughs> struggle. It's screw you, mom. You don't get it. Yeah. Like, just let me live. You know, like <laughs> I'm reminded of a story, like one of my friends that I met through on the East Coast was telling me a story about how like uh, she was, she grew up in Indiana as like the only Asian person in the entire like city pretty mm -hmm. much. And, like, she would get mad at her mom when she brought out, like, Asian snacks. Mm. Right? They're the like, best. Like, you're embarrassing me. Like, yeah. like, stop. You know, it's like, it's it's amazing how common these stories can get. Especially in the case, like, you know, it's it's experience I don't only really have because, you know, I grew up in a, like, my school is always 40%, 50% Asian. You know? Right. Like, my friends were multicultural, but mostly Asian, you know? Yeah. Um, well, but, I mean, there's particular struggles too. I mean, that for you as a child and your social, I guess your social circle and how that impacts the way that you viewed your parents. Mm -hmm. But also I, what I th realized about my parents in the way that they worked and what they did for work when they first got here, that's kind of beyond how it impacted me. But my mom worked at burger joints and for some reason I can, like, I knew that. But I did. It didn't actually sink in until really recently, because we took. Uh, my dad went to UC Davis for undergrad. He he did a community college in San Francisco, and then went transferred to UC Davis. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I was born out there. I was born next to UC Davis, out with the cows, and we took a family trip 
a couple of years ago, it's really recently. And we, I think we went to Lake Tahoe. So when we were coming back down uh, towards the Bay Area, we stopped in Davis to get in and out or something. And near the freeway, there's this burger joint called Red Rum Burger. Oh, so scary. It's from The Shining. But it wasn't called that. But she used to work there. It's this tiny, like, kind of Foster's Freeze looking kind of dinery hamburger joint. And my mom's like, oh, yeah, I used to work there. I worked there for like a year or something like that. Mm. And that was very... It was really like, I, I was like, my mom worked at a, oh yeah, she worked at another burger joint in San Jose when we moved to San Jose and I, I was a little kid there. She worked at a place called Kirk's and like, my mom worked at two burger joints, you know, and like you don't, my mom's so smart and so hardworking and she helps run a business with my dad now, but like something, and no disrespect to anybody who works in a burger joint, but for your, for my mom, like for me to look at her a certain way and to know that that's like all she could do. And she worked um, in a mail room at the Levi's company in San Francisco. She sorted mail like, yeah. cause that's all she could do. And like those, uh, those things are, they really hit you a different way. And she used to get made fun of. She's, t- she told me like when she was at Levi's, people used to make fun of what she ate. She'd mm. bring seaweed. Which is now on sale as a snack at Trader Joe's because <laughs> it's totes awesome and like really good for your skin. But people would like tell her she's gross for it's eating like that. It's like kale. It's like kale, but it's from the ocean. It's like the ocean. It's kale. like a superfood, like quinoa. It's the ocean superfood. Oh my god! You don't even know. Shut up! You should what, do low what, sodium. Where can I find this superfood? <laughs> at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. That's where I can find it. Like Costco too, like Kirkland. Yeah, I don't know, but that the, when I watched the BuzzFeed thing, it, it kind of re. Yeah, it's a good reminder, you it's, know, just to appreciate. It's interesting because, like, in the last, like, since you know, after, like, I think I think it was after turning like twenty five or twenty six, my dad started telling me about like, like, opening up about like, there's what life was like when we first got to North America. Like, my, we came in through Canada. That's where I was born, and then you know we moved to L.A. And then he was just saying about like, yeah, like, I think our parents went through the same as most immigrant families do, like trying to work within the American system or like the economy and like ending up like just doing their own thing because that was pretty much, that was the only way they can support their family. Right. You know, right. like my dad was worked for offices, you know, he worked for a lot of, he, he was uh, he studied textile engineering. Right. So he's always been, you know, he worked for import exporters and like manufacturers, things like that. And, um, he like, he worries about me, you know, working for a nonprofit and whatever. Um, but he, um, he also, you know, wants to instill like, you know, whatever you do, work hard, right? And he tells stories about how he, you know, had to struggle and how he had to work hard. Like basically, uh, one of the stories he told me once was he was working under a, su- a guy, his supervisor, who didn't know how to do spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. So he learned how to do spreadsheets. And then it got to a point where the supervisor was so, I guess, incompetent that like the supervisor's boss said, Tim, my dad, do you know how to do this stuff? My dad said, yeah. Like, okay, it's your job now. Pretty much like done and done, you know, so he's pretty like it's a classic kind of minority immigrant narrative where like to do well, mm-hmm. you have to work twice as hard as everyone else. Right. Especially like, you know, we talked about white privilege. And so that's basically like you have to work twice as hard as like white people because right. to even be considered. To yeah, be because, you know, level. like in terms of like just impressions, right. The white guy is going to be seen as like more prototypical you know manager business like than like the asian guy who like can be, kind of speak english right right just i don't know i've met a lot of people who 
like it's it, like flip it right like if i wanted to pick up and move to europe and mm-hmm. i have to navigate there if i wanted to move to paris like the dream i would have to learn french i would have to learn how to con- be a business person and, and be able to work there being fluent like that that idea i'm like hell no i'm not gonna do that because <laughs> no i can't it's not true because I could. I would have to work really, really hard. Doesn't mean I'm stupid, though. Doesn't mean that I don't have things to contribute. But it's funny, like how a lot of immigrants have been treated as sub. I mean, you want to say it's better now, and like there are a lot more Asians in you know leadership positions. Absolutely, but there's still like overall, you can still see it's still not minorities in general are not represented in corporate hierarchy in like the C level, right? Right. And I know I understand there's there's language barriers and there's a necessity to learn English and to master it. And that's for me. That's what I really appreciate about my dad, because I I was particularly kind of spoiled because my dad made it a really big deal for himself to learn English really well. Um, And he still has a he still has a strong accent, but he his vocabulary and grammar was like so we could talk. And that served him well in terms of him running his own company and things like that. My mom, on the other hand, still struggles really hard with with English, but she she's still you know pretty great at English, like to the point where she helps run the a business with my father, and they're they're fine. You know, they they manage and they do really well. She talks to all the customers and is still getting better. But yeah. like I I one of the cab drivers I met in San Francisco, he's from Pakistan. He's a doctor. Yeah, and he's driving a cab, and he said, "I can't practice medicine here. I'm not allowed to. I need to save up money so I can bring my wife." And you know, like that's the case for so a lot of refugee families too. Yeah, like like they're all skilled and really, really yeah. like they could do all the things, but they are driving cabs. Like I had, I had a friend from high school. His father was an intelligence officer what? in the Vietnamese army, and basically, like he had to leave because you know if he got caught, he would have been murdered. Okay, but like you know, he's not doing intelligent stuff in the states you know yeah yeah i mean that's again so that's that's the struggle and to get acclimated and to learn the language and everything that's part of the choice that they made in coming over here granted they felt like they had no choice a lot of times they were just leaving yeah and you know really bad conditions like we said these days like the people that are moving into management management positions now that the boomers are starting to retire hopefully are people that grew up in the more like diverse America. So maybe there's a, there's a different perception coming in where like they start seeing like different things, yeah. you know, like different merits. Like they don't just see like, Oh, well this guy is, you know, I don't know, Chaz McTavern from whatever <laughs> you, and he's like, obviously manager material. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I think that has really changed. I'm just kind of thinking about the video kind of just made me rewind 30 years and think of what yeah. that struggle was then and how different it was. And it gets, it gets me emotional. Like I definitely teared up watching that video to just think of that. And I'm grateful that that is different. It's changed a lot and I'm not, I'm not talking down on how we are today, but there's still a ways to go. But yeah, compared to 30 years ago, I would say it's a different environment. Well, I mean, now, you know, we have the, because of their sacrifices, because of what they did to, like, you know, make it work here. And eat crow. You know, you, you're able to be in, pursue acting. You know, I'm able to, you know, try to do what I want. You <laughs> Much know? to my parents' <laughs> <laughs> horrendous disappointment. Yeah, but there's no doubt that you're here because of what they 
like you're at this moment because of what they what they did yeah what they put together for sure you know that's what my dad like he's he's struggling because we we kind of threw his words back at him recently because he told me he said apparently he said to i don't remember him saying this my brother does he's like i want my kids to be different i want my kids to be um like the atypical blah blah when i said well, different, got I mean, it. <laughs> when i said different i meant doctor like really rich like, <laughs> not working in uh like making more than six figures it's all right once you become really rich you can say how no, see, that's it's like the, a longer path. It's not about my, my dad's really not about the money. He's really about like, what are you doing? That's like honorable and like good for humanity. And I keep this is our ongoing discussion of like, I believe that the arts have the ability to be something very powerful, very liberating, very eye opening. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, from a lot of different ways. And I keep trying to convince him like this is something that I care about that I could be really good at if I put my if I put in the hours and if I keep persistent but to him, it's not as admirable as, yes, being a doctor. Or he wanted me to actually go into politics, and I started laughing so hard. You would like, do pretty badly in politics, actually. Why? Because <laughs> um, politics involves a lot of a thick skin, very, like, Because I cry so demeanor. much. <laughs> hey! <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of things that, like... I'm very passionate, okay? <laughs> yeah, passion is good. But also, like, I feel like... Um, not so to say sad. bad about people in politics. Like it's a it's a tough job to like balance your. No, even Jenny. Jenny things. worked in that for years. Like, she's like, yeah, it is. There's a lot of just like it's hard to do what you want to do. Like to because you have so many people pulling you all over the place. Like you know, like I don't think I got it any easier working in entertainment. So, <laughs> but you know, it's more emotionally cathartic, I guess, because you get to be a little bit wackier. A little bit wackier, tiny bit wackier than if you're in politics. I guess. We'll see, though. I don't know. And I don't know. You might be great. Maybe I'm just, you know. No, but I got. See, that's the, that's the funny thing. It's like, I kind of don't want to be like, you'd be great at politics. I'd be like, why? Like, that would <laughs> kind of insult me. I'd be like, what? what's wrong with me? That's yeah. sad. That's sad. We need. No, there are a lot of great political figures. I think a lot of people who kind of take the spotlight are often the the crazies there's i mean again i want to kind of do a statistical breakdown of how many people there are in politics and how many people get talked about and i know that that's like a yeah. teensy ass well, little fraction you were like you were asb president right senior class yeah and like i think being politics is just an extension it's like if you never stopped on that path like if you went into like student senate in college or you yeah. went to like you know city council school board like you know, if I guess it's it's a lot of procedure, yeah. And like you, like me, like to go by the go like, rogue, like uh. pretty much by like the seat of our like the edge of our seats all the time. Like we'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get creative. We'll do it. It's fine. No, it, it yeah. We'll see. My dad, can... my dad is coming around though. Oh, like yeah? I've made headway with him, and and he, uh, I don't know what prompted that. But this is advice to anybody who's listening, whether you are young or later on in your life, talk to your parents. It's all about communication. I am not the easiest person to talk to when I'm near my father. He says one thing, sniffs the wrong way, looks at me the wrong way. I start crying. I lose my English. I, you know, (laughs) suddenly I'm just a wreck. But like that has taken years of effort to learn how to articulate my thoughts and my feelings um, and to be 
I guess, braver than usual. Yeah. Like, again, a lot of different things don't phase me, but talking to my dad will, like, wreck me. But he's the most important person that I need to communicate with because if he's okay with it, suddenly everything else kind of settles down, yeah. too. So, anyway, I, I mean, just, like, parents are... I mean, at this point, like, just talking to them about even, like, when they... How they grew up, how their parents were, like, what was it like? That's... You know, that's like, all that stuff, like, all that... Like, especially for, for us, second-generation kids from immigrant families mm-hmm. like that whole culture is part of our identity and i think that's why like kind of the rachel dolls all thing kind of like i'm kind of a little like skeeved out by it right because it's like you're claiming this identity but you don't like you don't know you don't it. have the history like you don't you're know it. adopting a history but it's not like you know what do you know yeah. so like to say well how do you know that it's, it's an experience. It's not a story. How do you know you were born black? You know, like you have black friends. You like black she didn't, culture. She didn't walk in those like, shoes in that skin and it treated the same way as like a, an actual black woman. And so for me, it's inaccurate and false and incorrect. And I object yeah. that you can adopt race like that. It's not something you just like, oh, it's my new purse today and I'm going to be black. No. And like, I guess for me, it's just like totally just disregarding your parents and where your parents are from and like all that that's stuff. sad yeah the that's like that's i think that's what like kind of annoys me the most about the situation that like, frightens me yeah. that just scares me i'm just like what is wrong with you the fact that anyone's taking this woman seriously is kind of like i don't think anyone's really taking her seriously <laughs> people are giving her airtime yeah she because seems, it's a sensationalized. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a pretty. I mean, if you didn't have, you don't really need to sensationalize it. You just kind of let her talk yeah. and dig up the facts, and it's pretty out there. And I don't think it's, you know, I, in no way am I thinking that this is like a commonplace issue. Yeah. Somehow, someone's going to make Obama's fault. Yeah. Know, whatever. Somehow. <laughs> and um, that's about a podcast. Here. Everyone, come to Collaboration LA. <laughs> Non-Asians included. Yeah. We have com- upcoming events, like Minji alluded. Next Friday in LA is Collaboration LA. It's a 2015 Friday. Next Saturday, I bet. Next Saturday, June 27th. It's at the LA Theater Center in downtown LA. Um, check out www.collaboration.org slash Los Angeles uh, for details on how to get your tickets. Hope to see you guys there. Um, Collaboration DC, if you're on the East Coast in the Maryland, Virginia, DC area, they're having an open mic that same night at the Board and Brew at 8150 College Park, which is the, uh, the varsity building. So it's right um, next to UMD campus. And for those of you in Chicago, um, they're having a yacht party on Saturday, July 11th at 1215 p.m. at Deucible Harbor. Check out the Collaboration Chicago website and Facebook page for more details on that. And that's a podcast for Go us. Go watch yeah. Dope, guys. Yeah, I want to see that. I didn't get to see that because... Um, you got to go on some special screening. Yeah, shout out to Rayson from Open Road Productions. And to Live and Dine in LA. Check out his food blog. He has a lot of really cool uh, food pictures. That he hungry. gets invited to go eat them for free. That's what, what happens when you're a good food blogger. Yeah, see, independent art. Like, do you, do the, do what you love eventually. Do you. Like, if you're good at it or you get good at it, you can make it your thing. You can get special menu offers, like secret menus, stuff that's not even <laughs> known to the public. Grayson's a lucky guy. Mm. No, he's not lucky. He he, he, he worked on it. it. He yeah. worked on it. He worked on it. Yeah. But anyway, real quick plug for Dope, though. I really enjoyed it. It's just such a different story. It's definitely not Hollywood, but it is being 
you know, shown everywhere. It's the same production company that made Nightcrawler. So I haven't watched Nightcrawler. I heard that's ridiculous. It's on Netflix now. It's a thriller, and I'm not good with that because I will fall apart. But um, yeah, you kind of like what was that girl? What was that movie that Gone Girl? Gone Girl, yeah. <sighs> um, and Birdman. You were you weren't right after Birdman either. Birdman wasn't like a. Th- it wasn't like it was pretty thriller. It was very intense, but it wasn't like thriller. Like scary crap is happening at oh. you, like lurking around the corner. But Dope is very. It's it's set in Inglewood. It's modern day. It's commentary on race, on generations, and like just it's funny and go watch it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And we're going to try a new sign-off this time. We're going to do a sign-off for our podcast because I guess that's what podcasts do. So, um, What does this entail? Well, I <laughs> for the collabcast, we'll collab. We'll see you later. Oh, my God. We'll collab again soon. <laughs> I need to go. If you, have a, if you have a collab pun, just send it to my email. Oh. oh, and thank you to David. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, we got some fan mail from uh, Twitter fan David Chang. Thanks for that. And if you want to send us any questions or feedback or more fan mail or whatever, um, it's podcast at collaboration.org is where you can send that to us. And um, if you have a question, we'll answer it on the air. Thanks, David. Seriously, yeah. it was very encouraging. So for myself and Minji, we'll collab. We'll see you later. Oh, my God. I will not back that up. Have a great week, guys. I will see you later. Stop. I don't want to hear. Grab me by the waist because your hips don't lie. I'm a swag so crazy. I'm a schizo, right? You a ballerina? Cool. I'm a disco guy. Excuse me. I heard bang, bang. I heard shots. The mean barge in the interrupt your workshop. Without you, the show stops. I heard you're thirsty, so I got you a cold pot. Hey, girl, hit me with your voodoo. Choreos, I watch the beat. Tomb, baggy